Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, episode 84. Uh, no announcements this time around, uh, except, of course, if you want to go to uh, GoTeamGray.com and help them out uh, with any uh, any do- donations. Right now, they are raising money to send Will to a, uh, a clinic in, I believe, Arizona, um, and they are doing very well with that. They're raising they're raising the money, but uh, it is not something that insurance will cover. And uh, so if you wanted to help out with that, there are ways in which to do that. So go to morethanonelesson.com and click on Help Will Gray, and that should take you to where you need to go. So aside from that, I think we'll just jump right into the episode. I will uh, welcome in my fa- your favorite co-host and mine. Well, hang on. I have two co-hosts. Oh, that's right. So it's your favorite co-host of mine, and I can't even really speak to that. You could say one of your two favorite co-hosts. I recognize that that's technically correct, but it doesn't feel tonally right. <laughs> hmm. It's Josh Long. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I feel very welcomed. Good. I'm glad. Because yeah, you welcomed me in. Now here I am. Indeed. Yeah. When you were these, just you were just standing behind the curtain until yeah. I sheepishly said your name. When these start, I'm like hiding in a corner. Well, I, I appear when people say my name. Nice. If you turn around three times in the dark and say my name, yeah. I'll appear. And you looking in the mirror, and you yeah. you know uh, what is it? What's the other Bloody Mary stuff? Don't you have to like uh, splash water? There's on different the, versions on the of it. I thought you just needed to turn around three times and say the name. Yeah. But anyway, that's what I do. But I don't do anything like. I won't hurt you or anything like that. I'll just pop in and be like, hey, how's it going? Maybe have a quick little conversation. I'll be like, all right, got to go. What would those conversations be about? I don't know. Depends on the weather. So it would be about the weather. Well, if like. the weather's interesting, it oh, might okay. be. If right. it's not, then... Okay, fair know. enough. Something else. Paper right. bags. Pa- paper bags? Maybe. All right. Man. Some people want paper, some people want plastic. <laughs> that has to be something you can't talk about for too long, because, you know, I, I got to go. Right. Oh, I mean, there are people all over this great land of ours uh, turning around and saying Josh Long so that they can have like a 45-second conversation with him. You know, we're so lucky that hasn't happened during an episode yet. You know, here's the thing. It's a matter of time. That's that's God right there. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, everyone. In case you're a doubter, that was proof of the existence of God. Indeed. Um, Your life is sort of like a really banal quantum leap kind of thing. But uh, all right. I was wondering when, if my next leap would be the leap to someone's bathroom to talk about paperbacks. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moving on. I'm sorry, everybody, for that. Let me explain. I'm not. It is 12.45 a.m. Josh and I have both had a long day. A lot and a lot to drink. Just kidding. Well, I've, I've got my Propel grape. Sorry, my Propel Zero grape right here, and I've been drinking a lot of that. I got a cup of water brand water. That's good water. Yeah, it's not bad. That's the that's the slogan. Water brand water. That's, that's good, good water. water. <laughs> Who would be the spokesperson for that? Who's the most who's the blandest person you can think of? Probably Matt Lauer. Um but uh okay. So moving on. Uh all right. So due to it being uh so late, we do want to try and uh get this episode over with, as evidenced by the last almost four minutes. Uh all right. The movie that we're talking about today is a documentary. It came out 
officially it's 2011, but I, I seem to recall it hitting theaters in 2012. Um, but such is the nature of movies like this. My guess is it probably played the festival circuit for a while before getting a theatrical release. Uh, and it is Lee Hirsch's Bully. And so uh, the, the Teddy Roosevelt story, which is the joke I've been making for a while, um, no one ever laughs, but I think it's funny. I've made it probably three times in the last week. The joke I was going to make is that I accidentally watched The Ant Bully instead. I'm oh. just going to talk about that. Oh, man. We can we can tie it in, I'm I sure think. it works. I think. Um, and this is also not reference to the, uh, I think, 2001. Is it 2001? Yeah, 2001 Larry Clark The Larry Clark, Clark film. film Bully with uh, Nick Stahl and Brad Renfro, which is actually a pretty good movie. Did you ever yeah, see it? Never seen him. I don't yeah. think I've seen any Larry Clark movies, actually. Let's see. I saw that, and I saw Kids. I think those are the only ones I've seen. I didn't see... He did one called What's Up, Rockers? Because that's him. I think he did one called Ken Park. I did not see that either. But um, but yeah, so enough talking about other movies with Bully in the title. <laughs> I'm also not talking about Big Bully, starring Rick, uh, Rick Moranis and Tom Arnold, which came out in, I think, 96, and incidentally is not that bad of a movie. I was almost thinking of uh, having that be the companion film, hmm. but it's very hard to find. Uh, well, that is to say, I don't think it's streaming anywhere. Uh, so, um, nor are we talking about Bull Durham, the uh, right Kevin Costner baseball film, nor Rocky and Bullwinkle, <laughs> Bullywinkle, as I like to call. It. <laughs> okay, but enough of that. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't really know uh, why I suddenly felt the desire to talk about this film aside from social relevance um josh and i have sort of an ongoing list of movies that we would like to talk about and this was not on the list but uh just randomly i thought oh i want to i want to discuss this and i don't know where it came from so uh so i apologize I, i don't have a lot of intro um so bully is a documentary about i guess I, I want to be careful in how I say it because I don't want to be I don't want to trivialize anything but I'll just go ahead and say the the recent bullying phenomenon um, or one could say epidemic if you want to look at it that way I think that's um, the way the film looks at it yeah and but more specifically just the the fallout due to bullying in elementary school middle school and high school. Um, now more than ever, you have kids that have been bullied, uh, killing themselves, uh, fighting back in extreme ways, or just, just checking out of, of life. Mm -hmm. And, and this struck me as very interesting. And as I've said on the show before, as I said, um, in my testimony episode, uh, I think of myself in middle school, maybe probably only for about a year and a half, um, as I don't know if I'd go so far as to say I was a bully, especially when I look at some of the actions of bullies in this film. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I was ever uh, physically abusive to anybody, but I was certainly verbally abusive to, to people. Uh, and in my case, it was always invariably um, people that I thought uh, were in some way doing better than I was. And so it was the idea of cutting them down to size, which is actually a 
from what I understand, it's fairly common uh, amongst bullies is the idea of they do it to make themselves feel better and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, so, so I was when when your mom said to you as a kid, like, "Oh, he's just doing that because he's jealous." Your mom was right. Well, she was right about the, me. The yeah. theoretical mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a reason people say that, and I think it's I think it is uh, it is true. Maybe not all the time, but in in many ways. Um, and you can be jealous of any number of things. It could be jealous of somebody's. Uh, I don't know, somebody's you know, money or their abilities or maybe the fact that they have friends and maybe you don't. And that's something we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, anyway, so due to my own personal uh, history and my, my feeling of uh, regret when I think about that time in my life, um, I was actually reluctant to see this film in spite of it getting uh, pretty good reviews. Um, I know it sounds strange to not want to see it, but I just thought it would like dredge up all these uh, feelings of... Uh, frustration with myself and, and that sort of thing even though it's been uh 18 years that sounds about right let's see wow yeah 17 18 years and yet uh, i still uh, still get that little uh, twinge of oh man i'm i should i should call that guy and apologize you apologized <laughs> 10 years ago tyler it's fine um but anyway uh <coughs> so josh and i watched the movie and the reviews were pretty much solid B's uh, all around. I don't think there were a lot of strong A's, but it, I don't think it often fell below like a B minus. Mm-hmm. And watching the film, I'd say that's about right. I yeah. don't think it's a perfect documentary by any stretch, uh, but it is powerful at times. Uh, and we'll talk. I'll go in, more into detail in a moment. But Josh, what did you think? I like this as a whole. Um, I think the problem with a lot of these documentaries that are about something that deal with something kind of sad mm-hmm. in uh, in our, you know, in today's society. That sometimes it can come off where a lot of the movie feels like they're just pulling at your heartstrings and then kind of shoving your face in all the, all the terrible realities of life mm-hmm. um, without presenting any kind of answers. And I don't overall feel that way about this film, but there were moments when I felt that way. Um, yeah, in some ways, and I, I apologize if this sounds callous, you know, when talking about a movie like this, and maybe this is something the filmmakers count on, I'm not sure, but when talking about a film like this, uh, you almost feel like you can't be overly critical of maybe the emotional aspect of it because mm-hmm. you feel like someone's going to be like, are you, are you pro bullying? Like, why don't you have a heart yeah. for these kids? Yeah. Um, but I will say that, uh, and I do think that this that uh, Lee Hirsch made this film as a genuine uh, attempt to portray something uh, and portray the aftermath of it. So, mm-hmm. so I certainly think it's sincere, but um, it's almost in some ways like this is this has kind of become a joke. But it's almost sort of like a Holocaust film, where you put that out and it's going to and people will be a little reluctant to call out its flaws as I just was. Mm. Um, and maybe that's a little cynical on my part. Um, but also when you're dealing with, when you're dealing with children, you know, it doesn't matter if it's, uh, let's see, what are some of the mad hot ballroom where it's about inner city kids learning how to ballroom dance or paper clips, spellbound, spellbound, anything involving children. Even if, even if the born into brothels, born into brothels, which is it, which is a film that uh, that my wife loves and I've watched, and it's genuinely a strong film. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and all, all these are, are pretty strong films. Yeah, yeah so but, I say any of them are bad films. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's is, a common. It's just a common theme in uh, documentaries. I think yeah. that's what we're saying. When you when you do something that has to do with with kids, uh, you you borrow a fair amount of goodwill from the audience. Yeah, um, they will probably not be very skeptical. Um, and maybe and that's probably for the best. You yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like. Everyone should go into a film wanting to like it, not being skeptical. Right. Um, the skepticism might kick in within five minutes of a terrible film, but uh, but yeah. So going in wanting the best is fine, but at the same time, like it's it's very easy to make a good argument about uh, just even in choosing the right thing, guaranteeing you're going to get festival. Uh, play and maybe mm-hmm. even a, a theatrical run, and so, yeah. uh, so I apologize for all that uh, all that cynicism, um, and I think for the most part the film transcends any of those concerns of mine. Yeah, um, would you say the same for you? Or uh, it goes back and forth because, um, and not not to say that it's, um, I don't I don't. I, I don't think I'm often in a place where I feel like it's being manipulative, but um, there were several moments where I went back and forth, kind of feeling like, why, 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 do, why do I have to see this? <laughs> you know, like just because it's such a sad situation, or, um, uh, or it's just a problem, kind of presented without a solution. Yeah. Which I'm, which to a certain extent I'm okay with because yeah, because the documentary is not responsible to come up yeah. with a solution, but I I feel like it's it's the sort of thing where we could talk about solutions, right? With this issue specifically, so anyway, th- those are those are feel things that I didn't like so much about it, but um, I I did like the. Uh, I think they picked some very moving stories, and I think yeah. um, in picking the stories, the filmmakers tried to, to uh, pick things that are disparate enough that they can show a lot of different aspects of of bullying and different uh, different ways that people experienced it. Yeah, um, and they are able to show kids who are dealing with it now, as well as kids who you know, posthumously, these kids who killed themselves. They kind of deal with what led to that and yeah. the aftermath and uh, what the people left behind are feeling. Yeah, and they, yeah, you're right. They did pick some good stories and stories that were that were different enough from one another because you get you get a couple of stories of of kids who killed themselves due to bullying. You get an instance that that I thought was very interesting. Um, and kind of bold, actually, on the part of the filmmaker, although I don't totally embrace it, but we'll talk about that in a second, um, <coughs> in which uh, this girl uh, who was you know, good at sports and, I think, straight A's, just a great student and just seemed to have a pretty good personality, and for whatever reason, um, she was just picked on mercilessly on the school bus and all that sort of thing. So one day she gets her she brings her mom's gun on the bus with her and uh brandishes it and the kids are terrified as you know as i'm as anybody would be (laughs) um and uh she doesn't shoot anybody uh one of the kids tackles her and then she she gets uh arrested and 
And there's interviews with the cops in which they say, hey, I understand bullying is pretty bad, but nothing justifies bringing a gun on a bus and waving it around and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And she says, I just wanted to scare them. I just want. And and the unspoken message is I wanted to scare them the way they scare me. I want them to respect me the way they never have. Mm-hmm. And if I can't ask for it, I will demand it. Yeah. Um, and so. So that's a very and one thing that I do like, and this may sound a little strange. Um, it's kind of an all walks of life sort of thing. Uh, you hear a lot of Southern accents in this uh, in this film, and you. He- but then also, so you get you know white su- white rural Southerners, but then you also get uh, this girl who I think also uh, lives in a rural community, but she and her family are black. And then you get another situation where the girl um, is a lesbian and is kind of ostracized. And so you get a lot of different stories. And I like the idea that it's not, it's not always the same Hmm. that this can affect people of different sexual orientations of different uh, races of different, um, you know, probably of different uh, classes and that sort of thing. So I would have liked to see some that weren't in small town America. They're almost all, they're all small towns somewhere. I would have kind of liked to see one in a, in a bigger city. Urban bullying, I think would be interesting to see. Yeah. Because I think it's a different animal. And at the same time that you can almost come away from the, the film feeling like, uh, well, these hick hayseeds are all, you know, bullying each other but in yeah in the civilized city we don't act like that which is totally not the case right um, yes but i don't know i feel like you could come away from the film thinking that and who knows the filmmaker could actually think that because yeah i guess that's all yeah that's and that that i think is is the problem my my main complaint with the film is that oddly enough though it it interviews families and friends of of and it goes along with kids and the filmmaker goes along with kids to school to document things i mean there it's pretty ambitious but its scale is actually pretty small um in a in a number of ways and so I'll, we'll get into some of our some of my my critiques of of the film and then then we'll go back to some of the things that i that i liked and found powerful um so when talking about bullying, showing it from the v- victim's point of view, while that is very powerful and it's important, you know, I mean, when, when people hear nationally about bullying, you know, they might think of the, th- the fact of it and maybe not put a face on it. And this film certainly puts a face on it, puts several faces on it. And so I, I appreciate it wanting to do that, but in doing so, it also just doesn't it doesn't hypothesize because, and and I don't necessarily want a film that <coughs> that just comes up with easy answers so it has some sense of closure. Um, but there are a number of questions that the film doesn't even really ask, really at all. Now that I think about, it. and one of, one of the big questions is, I mean, I mentioned the the bullying epidemic of recent years. I'm going to say last ten years. You know what? I'll, I'll go back to Columbine. So that was that was '99. So let's go back. Let's go back 14, 15 years. 
uh, and the idea of people being picked on in school and the idea of violence, whether it be physical or emotional, all, around every corner. Um, well, there's always been bullies. Yeah. I mean, you can see it in films. You can see, you know, from the 1940s and 50s, like a high schooler. You can see it in comic books. Peter Parker getting picked on by bullies. Um, our own, we can look at our own lives and just remember, okay, I remember that guy. That's, that's the jerk, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, but this is the first, and maybe it's not the first documented, maybe this is the first, these are the first documented instances of those, of the victims really being thrown into despair and killing themselves. Uh, so maybe it's, maybe that's always happened, but this is the first instinct instance in which the, the two are linked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. And yeah. the film doesn't explain. Yeah. And I almost wish the film would talk about that. The fact that kids are killing themselves over this, because that's almost more the new phenomenon than yeah. the bullet, than the, uh, than just the act of bullying. The fact of bullying has been around for ages yeah. forever, probably. And has, and that's the thing is, well, maybe there are not, maybe there aren't more bullies than there were. Maybe they are doing worse things. Yeah, maybe. And and that is the problem is, I don't know. Yeah. Josh and I spoke for like a half hour after the film was over, and most of what we discussed was speculation. Yeah. And while I recognize that a film can't cover everything, um, the film is relatively short. You can add, I'm fine with it adding another half hour and interviewing psychiatrists and interviewing people who talk about, you know, who study social trends yeah. and maybe come up with a hypothesis or two about why this is happening now. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and the other thing is to the phenomenon that we know about, the reason we're talking about it is because kids have been killing themselves right. or things like that. Um, and the film, I think, I think the film's initial desire is to find out why those kids did it. Right. Now, you can go back to those kids' families and you can talk to like their friends and their families. You can talk about their situation. The film does and I think illuminates that a little bit. But... In the people that it's going to now, who are being bullied now, it deals with a lot of these kids that are on, under that pressure now. There's no way to know that those kids are going through bullying the same way that these other kids were. Right. And by the nature of it, a lot of these people don't know, obviously, that their kids are going to do this. Because if, if you knew that your child was at a high risk for suicide, then you know you'd probably be. It might not happen because you could be a closer watcher. And a lot of the times, this happens because people just don't know how serious. Right. It is for kids. So it, it's impossible to find a kid where it's that serious to make a documentary out of it. Yeah. I mean, they admit So there's a, I would say if there is any main character, it is uh, this kid named Alex, who <clears throat> is about 12 years old. He is picked on fairly mercilessly. Um, and admittedly, he does look, he looks kind of funny. I, I hate to put it that way, but he was born prematurely, right? Very um, prematurely. Yeah. I don't even remember what, like a month and a half, maybe even two it months. Was, it was, yeah. Um, which is, you know, I mean, and they talk about how he shouldn't, in many ways, he should not, the doctor said he shouldn't have lived, mm-hmm. but he's, he's alive now, but he does look as though there is something 
quote unquote wrong with him. There's nothing mentally wrong with him. Yeah. He's a little socially awkward, but mm. that could be a function of just being kind of ostracized by his friends. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, by his classmates, not his friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, uh, so he is someone that we see throughout and we do see how people bully him and we just to hear him talk about how he feels and, but then the film, I think wisely also just gives us, uh, it asks him about other things like girls Mm -hmm. and he, and you know, it's fun to hear this 12 year old talk about how, you know, girls are like candy. Sometimes you want a Hershey's bar. Sometimes you want a Snickers. Now, to me, it's like, I don't know what you mean. Are you some kind of womanizer? Um, probably not. But I found that part to be so sweet because it gives you a sense of who this kid is outside of the bullying. It doesn't it doesn't merely present him as a victim. Yeah. Um, it, it, as if that's the only thing about him. That's, uh, that's, I think, the most interesting thing about this kid is that you see him in a lot of social situations and he does seem very uncomfortable in social situations. Like on the, you see him on the bus and he, you can see moments where he's like maybe trying to fit in with people, but they're still making fun of him Yeah, and he never feels totally comfortable there. Even with his family, like interacting with his family sometimes, like if they ask him any kind of difficult questions or something that he doesn't want, really want to talk about. And there's a lot of moments where he, he clearly doesn't want to talk about the things right. they're asking him, which is another interesting aspect. But um, I feel like in a lot of documentaries, you see these people who are just being their being what they think the camera wants them to be. Mm-hmm. And I think this kid just doesn't have that sense. And you're getting to see him the way that he really is, which is something that I think even his classmates don't really see. Yeah. And it's I'm glad that you brought that up because, <clears throat> you know, um, while I will not uh, question the. Uh, the the grief of the family members of of the kids that that killed themselves um or the or the teachers that are dealing with it you know if you add a camera to something it will change people and when talking about something like this i have no i mean there's a microphone in front of me i know how i am in everyday life i know how i am in front of the microphone i try to keep them as similar as possible but they're not they're it just it's just going to be different and I so, speak with a thick Texas accent. When uh, I'm not yes, on this thing. yes. It's it's really one of the only reasons why I only talk to Josh on mic. It's really unintelligible. Yeah, it's it is so. Oh no, thank you. I just want to punch him every time I every time I hear it. Howdy, y'all. He says stuff like that. It's it's off putting. Anyway, I I would do it for you now, but I can't because the mic's here. Yes, yes. Thank you. Oh, oh, thank you. Um, so. So, yeah, so it is possible that uh, certainly the, the parents are not playing up their outrage, but in in what they're saying, sometimes it feels a little bit rehearsed, um, and it might be. Yeah, and, you know... In, and that doesn't make them bad people, certainly. No, not at all. Sometimes just the, by the nature of the thing, like the documentarian may get somebody to say something and be like, actually, can you say that again? Like, yeah. can, we, can we talk about that more? And, you know, any kind of interview thing, there's usually this aspect of of it being being false. Uh, but there's something about that that kid about about Alex that he just seems 
seems like they're able to get something out of him where he just acts like himself, where he just talks about yeah. what he likes and what he dislikes, and yeah. he, he seems so natural. And that's, and that's, I think that's a testament to the director, because we've seen I Alex so. not feeling safe. Yeah, which and is... And if there's a camera put on you, it's easy to not feel safe, and so what must the director have told him, and how? what kind of, what kind of atmosphere must he have created for Alex to actually open up and yeah. say these things because he clams up so often yeah like almost everywhere else is with his parents in the principal's office on the bus at school yeah. like almost every every time we see him he's like he doesn't want to talk to people yeah and let alone to but to have a stranger be able to talk him into talking about you know just yeah. how he feels and what he likes to do and things is is kind of cool yeah and that's you know and and while i would say that this film is is a solid b it's mo- it's moments like that that show a real flair um, on the part of the director because yes there are no actors but and so <clears throat> you know you talk about uh, some directors being an actor's director well this is a documentary but you can be a subject's director you can know what it is you need to do you hear stories about James Foley directing Glengarry Glen Ross and in doing so directing actors of different generations and different methods and he said he had to be seven seven different directors mm-hmm. and in a way you feel like uh, Lee Hirsch had to be several several different documentarians talking to Alex talking to you know people of various age groups different uh, you know different positions in life because of course in one instance he's talking to parents in another instance he's talking to a you know a school official and and it's entirely possible that that the school officials defenses are going to be up too because they they might know yeah and in some cases they are but not so much that they don't they don't not do their job mm -hmm. in front of the camera um so yeah it's 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 sort of like a juggling act, and I think for the most part he does a good job with it. Um, and yeah, and so in in talking about uh, Alex and and a few of the other, it's almost always the kids, um, and how naturalistic they are. And I, I recognize that sounds kind of strange to talk about somebody being naturalistic in a documentary, but it's especially when dealing with kids, it's possible to not have that. Um, and then some of the adults some of the parents are, you know, there, there's this one guy who's, you know, basically just a, like this bean pole with, uh, these like, like these, uh, tight, like trucker pants and like the big wallet and the, the handlebar mustache kind of thing. just everything. I mean, he just seems, and I mean, I knew guys like him in, when I lived in Nixa, Missouri, and I'm sure when you lived in, uh, North Carolina, you ran across people like this who just, I mean, they are from the South, and they seem pretty tough. And there's, I believe there's a, a lot like of deer a, heads, deer heads all over. The, in the house. And so this Seems is a guy. wearing that <laughs> Cardinal shirt everywhere he goes. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it's, it's almost kind of comical to look at. But so when you look at a guy like that, you do not expect that this is a man who's going to be really forthcoming about how he feels even in, even light of, even in light of the the death of his son, but he is so open and not, I'm not going to say he's, he's simple or anything like that. Uh, I mean, he's as complex as, as any of the rest of us, but almost like Alex, it seems like he just doesn't, he just, I mean, there's a scene where he's new to the internet, Mm. which, so that could, that should kind of say about, uh, tell you something about the life that he lives. 
And so it's almost as though he doesn't know how to put up a shield in front of the camera. And so when you see somebody like that just breaking down, I mean, it is, it's very powerful. And, yeah. and so, like I said, the film does a very good job of putting a human face on this. Now, I mentioned that perhaps they should have widened the scale, uh, the scope a little bit, and maybe talk about the the epidemic itself. I think there's this there's another aspect to the film, or rather an asp- uh, an aspect absent in the film, and that is, I think, and maybe and maybe they tried. I think the filmmakers should have tried to talk to some bullies. And their families, if possible. Yeah. Um, Because that's, I mean, that is the other side of it. And and that's the thing is, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later, but the idea of, you know, I'm not, I'm not somebody who says, says, yes, yes, uh, everyone should, you know, everyone should get aside and the victims, they're only one part of it. It's like, we should first have a heart for the victims Mm -hmm. and the film certainly does have that but if you're you know there's a there's a scene in which somebody talks about you know we should just get rid of the bullies mm-hmm. which is a fine sentiment but who's it's like okay well if you get rid of these bullies maybe someone else will just come up it, it could wind up being like a whack-a-mole game and maybe the thing to do is to address the environment that can cause this yeah i think it's it's just as important to if you're talking about what to do with something like this, it's just as important to examine options for how bullied kids or parents of bullied kids can react mm-hmm. as it is to figure out why are kids bullying in the first mm-hmm. place. Like it, that's, that's just as much half of the equation. Yeah. Um, and that's not even coming from a place of defending the bullies. That's right. just saying like, th- this is where the source of the problem seems to be. Why, why wouldn't you delve more into that? I mean, in the same way, and this is going to sound like maybe a, a bit of a leap, but I mean, people regularly when talking about terrorism, well, terrorism is itself a horrible thing. Um, and when a bus full of people gets blown up or something, obviously that's the worst thing. Mm-hmm. And our sympathy is first and foremost with those people. But there are plenty of people for whether they're right or wrong, but there are people who say, well, Yes, we certainly need to stop the terrorists, but we also need to f- look at the environment that creates terrorists. Mm-hmm. And that can include, you know, <coughs> if they're in, if they're exacting revenge, what are they exacting revenge for? Is it a legitimate thing or is it a perceived fl- uh, slight or whatever? And so in that same way, like I, I feel like I feel as though that's something that the filmmakers could have done. And again, Perhaps they tried, and none of the bullies wanted to. That's entirely possible. Yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, uh, so I feel like that's something that, like, this film really could have been something special. Um, when I think of, you know, like Michael Apted's Up series, and it's mm-hmm. and it's and its commitment to just being there all the time. Yeah. Um, or you know the or Hoop Dreams or any number of of films that just. You know that that's one of the things that gets me about documentaries. The really great ones. A good, another good example is capturing the Freedmans and what we're talking about. But like the really good ones, they they turn on the camera and they go where they're supposed to go. 
for however for as long as is needed. Mm-hmm. But in the day in the in the days of digital photography, anybody can make a movie about anything. Any and certainly anybody can make a documentary about anything. Just go to Netflix streaming and see how many documentaries there are <laughs> that you've never heard of and that are probably two stars at best. Um, it's it's very possible, and I don't mean to suggest that, suggest that uh, Lee Hirsch and Bully are that by any stretch. But it's one of those things. I feel like he probably spent a few months getting all this together, and and then put a made a movie out of it. And yeah. and I sort of feel like spend a year and get everything you can. Yeah, and, and there's always. There's always the risk too that you're not going to come back from it with much, and especially yeah. something like this. Like some some documentaries, you're heading towards a specific goal, so you're you know you're um, you're documenting that, or like you know something's leading to some kind of conclusion, or there's some kind of thing for it all to revolve around. Um, but when it's something kind of abstract, is this like bullying, which is a general thing you can't really put a, put a real strong definition on anyway. Yeah. Um, like what? What's the climax? Like you, you can't, you can't create bullying. Obviously, right? Um, you may not catch it, and even if he, even if he did say for a year, he might not actually catch something really dramatic happening, bullying wise. I mean, the biggest thing that happens in this is Alex's parents go to the school board and talk with the school board about it, and then we see kind of whether the school does anything. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I mean, it, it ends on a note of uh, all of these anti-bullying rallies on one day, and so you actually see people coming together. Like, you see separate stories come together at these mm. rallies, and so I, 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 I sort of liked that from a payoff yeah. standpoint. But I could not help but feel, and again, there is no easy answer, and, uh, and Josh and I at one uh, nineteen a.m. are certainly not going to crack the code. <laughs> But, um, and I don't, and again, I do not demand answers from a, from a documentary. Um, but, uh, in watching, uh, in watching these rallies, you know, you're happy. The big thing I was happy about was that the grieving families had a basis of support. There, There was a community and statewide support for them and what they have experienced and their loss. And there was a general sense of commitment to wanting to stop this, even so far as uh, the, that one guy, I don't have his name in front of me, but that one guy, the, the very cowboyish type of guy, uh, there's a scene where he's talking to a group of probably 20 students and talking about like, you, you need to speak up. You need to, you, you probably, if you're here, you're probably not going to bully anybody, but you still have a responsibility. And that's if you see something, do something. It might mean intervening directly. It might mean helping the person up and just being a friend to them mm. and that sort of thing. And so, um, so it was neat seeing stuff like that. But, and I think the film do, is willing to show a good portion of the problem. And this is where, Josh and I might wind up getting a little political. We will try to avoid it. But I will say this. Uh, certainly, the film blames the bullies first. But I think it also blames the environment that allows this to happen, which is to say school. Yeah. Um, now, I went to a number of public schools, and I think I was actually pretty fortunate in the ones that I went to for a number of reasons, um, not the least of which was they took this sort of thing pretty seriously. Um, and so... Uh, whereas this, 
you know, we, we're dealing with, a, we wind up dealing with a couple of assistant principals. We don't really get in with the teachers. We, we get into, you know, the staff that is in charge of discipline, essentially. And so we see how they deal with things and it just, it, it just doesn't work. I mean, it's, you know, we have this one woman who, as kids are coming back from recess or from lunch or something like that, and these two kids got in a fight and she says, all right, you guys, you know, shake hands. And one guy quickly, one kid quickly extends his hand and the other guy, other guy doesn't want to. And she gets mad at the, at the kid that doesn't want to. Well, he's the kid that has been picked on and maybe he's not so quick to shake the hand of the guy that's picking on him. Mm -hmm. But to her, his, his attitude is the problem. And she says, well, he was willing to shake hands. Like, well, that's, it's the easiest thing to do to not, to get out of trouble is to shake someone's hand and just go right back tomorrow and do what you're doing. And she seems to not recognize that. And when the kid protests, she isn't listening to him. Yeah. There's a scene, oh, a very infuriating scene in which Alex is talking to a different assist- assistant principal and she's asking, you know, what is this kid on the bus? What is he doing to you? And, uh, and he says this and this. And uh, she asks, do you think, are you worried that we're not going to do anything about it? And he says, well, a couple years ago, uh, this kid, like, squished my head in the seat or something like that, and you didn't do anything about it then. And rather than simply say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm terribly sorry, you shouldn't be in this situation or whatever, and really be working towards helping this kid to feel secure, the woman instead jumped to her own defense and said, well, I did talk to that kid. I did do something about it. And he didn't do that again, did he? As though that's a big triumph. Oh, well, now he's only hitting me and not squishing my head. I guess that's a win. And so that's the thing is you ran across, you run across people who are much more in, in much more invested in saving themselves yeah. than actually the kids. Yeah. And, you know, people can make whatever arguments they want to about, you know, teachers, unions and bureaucracy. I personally think that that probably doesn't help the situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are movies called there's a a document, a documentary that I did not see called Waiting for Superman. Um, And what's interesting. um, And again, I didn't see it, so I don't want to I don't want to speak to it. But it's the same guy that directed uh, uh, An Inconvenient Inconvenient Truth. Truth. And uh, so I was talking to a friend of mine named uh, Greg Helvey who directed a film called Kavi that was nominated for an Oscar. Um, it's no podcast award, but hey, you know, what is? Um, I don't feel inferior to him. So um, so he went and saw it. And I know Greg is a guy who, I mean, he, he is, I wouldn't say he's optimistic, but he believes that change can be made in anything. Hmm. You can make, I mean, you can change anything. Yeah. I mean, his, he, his film, it was about the slave trade in, uh, in India. Yeah. Or, and... Uh, indentured servitude it's not exactly the same thing as slave trade as we think of it yeah yeah it's it's indentured servitude as a function of uh debt and it basically winds up being just a lifetime of of yeah essentially slavery Hmm. and so um so yeah so he's somebody who really is committed to changing anything and so he and i were talking and he said oh i just saw that waiting for superman movie and it's available on netflix so i i i do need to see it but somehow i can't quite bring myself to do it because <laughs> it sounds so so depressing <laughs> but uh so anyway so i said uh, i said oh i said oh i i wanted to see that so what's the you know what's the what's the solution greg you you know this what's the solution and greg, greg goes 
I don't know, man. I don't think it can be solved. <laughs> and and he just talked about and and the film certainly seems to to have it out for for teachers unions and putting teachers ahead of children. And and I, again, I don't mean to bash uh, teachers. I think you know I've, I've I had a one a number of really wonderful selfless teachers. Um, but when you run across people like these assistant principals, you do see what people can what parents complain about. Yeah, and uh, one of the ways it ends up. One of the ways that the system as a whole can end up hurting children and does end up hurting children in this situation is uh, it really hits hardest with the lower income people because they don't have a, they don't have a choice. Like if, yeah. if some of these people, if their kid is being bullied, they go to the school board and the school board doesn't do anything about it. They, there's nothing they can do. Their kid just has to keep going to school. I mean, there are these kids who are literally afraid of going to school because of what's going to happen to them, and there's no way they can go to another school. Like there's no way they can, you know, they can't just move. Like if you don't have enough money, you can't go to another district. Like you're just stuck. Yeah. My, my brother, uh, was kind of a, for, I won't go into detail cause I don't have permission to do so, but he was kind of a, a problem kid, uh, in high school. And, uh, and he was going to this public high school and, uh, my parents, because we had some money, my parents had the option of, moving him to a private school where discipline was a little, was a bit more of a priority somewhere that could rain that wasn't afraid to rein him in a little bit more. Mm. And, uh, and they, that's the thing. They had that freedom. Um, but not everyone does. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's, so there, I'm not saying that, ah, oh, politics, the political process will solve bullying. Uh, <laughs> certainly not. But, uh, but you know, trying to get a kid out of a, out of a, an unsafe environment and any way that you can do that, I think it should be a, a high priority for, you know, at the very least local government. And I think it's, I think the film wants it to be noted that a lot of these people, a lot of parents, um, who, a lot of parents of children who are bullied feel like a lot of the problem is with their schools. They feel like their schools are not responding to it right. or not responding in a helpful way. Yeah. And so I think that's something that the film, the fact that it doesn't shy away from the frustration that you feel of you want. I mean, I mean, when you, when you see Alex talk for real, I mean, when he really opens up, I, he's such a sweet kid and you just want to hug him. Yeah. And you, and when want, you hear the story about how like he, about his birth and everything and yeah. how he, he maybe shouldn't have made it and he did. It's like, yeah, you want to protect him and you wonder yeah. why these people aren't. Yeah. And so I think those moments are when the film is at its most powerful. Absolutely. Because if you can see it from the way that the parents do, then you understand the, yeah. the, how hard it is for them. Yeah. And when the, when Alex's parents come in and you just see the way the assistant principal just kind of just sort of shines them on and just says, we'll take care of it. And which could not sound more empty. Yeah. Um, it just astounds me. And I think when they're leaving the, uh, when they're walking through the parking lot, the mom says something like, isn't that, isn't that what they just told us last time? We'll take yeah. care of it. Yeah. So, so the film is certainly, it, it is certainly engaging. I think it could, could have been more ambitious. I think it could have accomplished more, but what it does accomplish is still pretty good. And so I do recommend it. Um, I will talk very briefly about uh, the companion film. Uh, it came out in 2004. It's called Mean Creek. It was written and directed by Jacob Aaron Estes. Um, and uh, it is about uh, a bunch of kids who, w who basically decide to take revenge on a, uh, on a local bully. 
and they decide to do this. They're going to go, they invite him on a rafting trip, uh, and they, they invite him, you know, under the guise of, Hey, you're my friend, you know, come along. And so he goes and they're going to, yeah, they're, they're going to get enact sweet revenge on this kid only to discover that actually, Oh, by inviting him on this thing, he suddenly feels accepted like he has friends <laughs> and he's not quite the bully that we thought he was. And so they start to, they start to regret it, but then his natural there, there's a, uh, I won't spoil everything, but there is a moment when, uh, they, I, I don't, I don't think they, they mock him, but basically there comes a moment when he feels as though they have turned on him and you see his defenses go up and you, and he just spews just bile about every single person in the raft. Mm. And it is just so vicious. <laughs> um, and so I will talk a little bit about, um, so the main character is played by Rory Culkin, one of the Culkins, obviously. Um, and the cast is uniformly great. I believe when the film was it, I think it was Sundance, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. It could, it could have been con. It was one of the, one of the big ones. Um, that year, the, uh, the jury or whatever, they created a special award for ensemble cast just for Mean Creek that year. Like, because they said this, this is astounding to watch these kids interact with one another. And so they, they created it. And, and indeed the whole cast is, is really great. And, uh, I feel kind of bad singling out any, any one of them, but I will single out Josh Peck as George, the bully. Um, Josh Peck was on a, was it a Disney show or a Nickelodeon show called Drake and Josh? I think it was Nickelodeon. Okay. Which uh, I don't think I had ever seen. Uh, I know that he was in a movie called The Wackness with uh, Ben Kingsley. And then he was most recently in uh, the, the remake Red of Dawn Red Dawn. Yeah. And so uh, so I, I, I like that he has a career. And, and he was a very, he was a, certainly a big kid in um, Mean Creek. And since then he has slimmed down considerably. And, and he kind of has a lead role in Red Dawn, which you would not immediately expect. But his performance in Mean Creek is to me revelatory. I mean, it's just, you see just, just untapped depths of real heart and sweetness to the character of George, but you also recognize he's overweight, probably made fun of for that. Probably if he's not openly made fun of, he probably just feels it and he doesn't, and he doesn't have any friends and so he will, in a way that I absolutely relate to, he decides he's going to punish those that have what he does not. And so, um, but then you see when he thinks he's being accepted, you see him turn around completely and all of it. And then you see him turn back in the most vicious way possible. And all of it seems feasible. It does not like he's giving separate. It's not like he's giving separate performances. He's giving one consistently great performance and showing different aspects to the character. Um, but one of the big reasons that I like the movie is that, um, it does not let George off the hook for the things that he says. Mm. Um, but it at least attempts to understand why he might do this and maybe again we should we should always side first with the victims but 
in true biblical, you know, in a, in a truly biblical way, when they extend love to him, it just eats away at his anger. It eats yeah. away at his at his hatred, and um, and I don't know. And I just thought that was. I just think it's a really honest and a really wonderful portrayal of this phenomenon. Mm. Um, it's in, I, I, in a way I, I wish that it uh, had been released a little bit later and come out in the midst of you know these you know these suicides and, and that sort of thing. Um, so now you haven't seen Mean Creek for a while. Uh, what did you What did you think of it? I remember enjoying it a lot. Like I remember a lot of the same things you're saying. I thought the performances were really good. Um, it's it's one of those things where it's very sad to see uh, to see the bully character get so excited. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny because, like you mentioned, I think you mentioned this on the air. Uh, about how, yeah, 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 the, the, we were talking about the jealousy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's clear that he is, he's not really a cool kid. You know, like you said, he's a little bit overweight and he's, well, he's a little heavy anyway. I don't know if he's overweight. But, uh, and he, he's a little socially awkward. Like you yeah. can tell sometimes he's like trying to be cool with them. And he's, he's not really like, yeah. you can tell that he doesn't so much fit in with them. So, you go on this roller coaster with him where you you feel like he's you hate him at first you're like that's that nasty bully and then when he thinks that he's accepted and starts to kind of be friendly you start to feel sorry for him a little bit because you're like you can see him working to try and fit in you can Mm -hmm. see him like wanting to be part of the crowd and not really fitting yeah um uh, but then the way he just uses that the way he turns against everybody as yeah. soon as he, you know, gets a whiff of any kind of yeah, and it I mean plot. it really it has a tragic quality more than yeah. anything else, and you just see that like you you really more than anything you just see the cruelty of kids all around yeah his and then theirs and again theirs it doesn't even register as cruelty I mean it registers as. This kid has been terrorizing me, and so you know what? He's going to get his. And it's a perfectly reasonable reaction. Um, and then, but then it all becomes just so sad. And you just, throughout the film, I find myself, I, I say this about movies, from, uh, certain movies from time to time. In the end, I, I wasn't rooting for George. I wasn't rooting for the other kids. I was just rooting for civility. I was rooting for good to come out. And uh, spoilers, it doesn't. Um, so, so I feel like if you were to watch Bully and Mean Creek together, I feel like you would have a pretty good, more of a complete look at the whole yeah bullying thing. And maybe, and you know what? Maybe Mean Creek simplifies it a little bit, and maybe makes him a little too sympathetic because there are. I mean, there are people out there, there are kids out there that are just pretty monstrous. I mean, they and they yeah. can't, it's not so easy to see that side of them. You if know? you take away anything from this, it should be that kids are awful. They're pretty rough, I'll be yeah. honest with you. Um, and so I did want to to move on to a couple of, just a, just a few Bible verses. Um, I, I don't think that there's a lot of, you know, high schoolers or young people listening to this. Um <clears throat> But it is entirely possible to feel like you've been bullied. It could be by an actual bully in 
in high school. It could be by your boss. It could be by a friend. It could be, you know, the, the, the bullying instinct, I think, doesn't necessarily go away. It just might hide itself mm. a little bit better. Yeah. And so, um, and one of the things that, you know, the, the kids in, in bully that they feel, they just feel so worthless. They just feel, they're just scared all the time, but they start to believe and, and really absorb what the bullies have been saying. And so I wanted to, uh, wanted to read a couple uh, Bible verses here before I move and, and shift gears just a little bit. Uh, so the first is Job 34, 18 and 19. Is he not the one, and by the way, we're talking about God here. Is he not the one who says to kings, you are worthless and to nobles, you are wicked, who shows no partiality to princes and does not favor the rich over the poor for they are all the work of his hands. Uh, I picked that just because it's very easy to look at, um, I don't know, to, to feel as though you are the misfit, you know, in the case of Alex, certainly, who is socially awkward, looks a little different. It'd be easy for him to say, well, I'm just, I'm just not as good as the other kids. And God says, you are just as good as they are. You are as good as, think of the best person you can think of, the most powerful person you can think of. You are as good as they are. You are as loved as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll move on to Isaiah 41:10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dispa- do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now I recognize that in the midst of a situation where you feel like you cannot escape, I recognize that that will probably provide very little comfort. But that's the thing as you're absorbing you know, as you're absorbing insults or whatever, maybe even insults by yourself, that's the really insidious nature of this kind of thing, is after a while you start to bully yourself uh, when the bully is absent. But anyway, um, as you're absorbing this, try to absorb this other stuff as well. A friend of the show, Nathan Potter, once said to me a long time ago, and I it, it really stru- stuck with me, uh, you have to preach the gospel to yourself. If no one else is around, you got to do it to yourself. Um, and just, and this is it. Just say like, God is with me. I am not worthless. That sort of thing. So, uh, I did want to briefly talk about this idea. So in talking about Mean Creek, we talk about, uh, vengeance and, and so there's a, okay, I'll give you a little bit of background. So there's a comedian named Todd Glass. I've been a big fan of his since, uh, I'm going to say 2000, 2001. And, um, he, in response to the the phenomenon of bullying, specifically of uh, you know gay kids being bullied and then and committing themselves, I think there was a kid named I believe his name was Tyler Clemente, uh, who uh, who killed himself. Um, so Todd Glass, when he was on the uh, WTF podcast with Mark Maron, he actually he's in his mid fifties and he, for the first time in his life, came out and said that he was gay. Um, and it was really, I mean, it was really powerful to hear. Um, and it's a good episode. I think you can find it on uh, on iTunes. You might have to pay for it, but I don't think so. Um, <clears throat> but there's a there's something that he says in there that that stuck with me. In which, and again, because he's saying what he is saying, I'll, I'll I won't necessarily give him a pass, but I understand where he's coming from. In which he says, "It's time that bullies stop bullying and we bully them." thing about that quote is that he had me and then he lost me it's time for bullies to stop bullying well i'm on board with that 
and we bully them. No. No, no. That keeps the cycle going. If they stop, you just, you need to get them to stop bullying. However that, however that's possible, and maybe it isn't possible. Mm -hmm. But if you just come back and do the same thing to them, it just doesn't, it just keeps circling around and it just doesn't stop. I mean, there's a, there's a rather tragic point in bully when Alex says that he wishes he could bully that he wishes he could be the bully. Yeah. It's amazing how quickly people come to that conclusion and and seemingly without perspective, like how, Mm -hmm. I I don't know how you couldn't have the perspective to realize that you just advocated bullying Yeah, in in an attempt to, to, uh, stop bullying. Yeah. So, you know, we do jump. I think, I think what that speaks to is that it's our natural desire to, to jump to vengeance. Yeah. Um, because it seems the way to right wrongs, but mm-hmm. you know, obviously if you're looking at it from a biblical perspective, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So, huh? Odd. You should bring that up. <laughs> Romans 12, verses 17 through 19. Josh, are you too tired to read this? No, I'm not. Here it is. Okay. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Okay. I will also read this other thing. Matthew 5, verses 38 and 39. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist, do, sorry. Hmm. Sorry, this, there might be a typo. Do not resist an evil person. That sounds right. Okay, sorry. I put and instead of and. Sorry. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now, here's the thing. That's the, that's the biblical perspective. Would you ever say that to Alex? Hmm. I wouldn't. Yeah. And so what do we do here? Yeah. How do we take this biblical principle and apply it to this? Yeah, that's a difficult one because... I don't know. It seems like... It doesn't seem like it's a solution to the problem. But I think what we can take away most from that is that we have to stand up for those who... who are... Right. In that situation, because I think it, it is hard to say to a kid like Alex, but I think, I think that is the right thing is to say, you know, a, to to not fight back, you know, to not res- not meet evil with evil, like it says. Mm. Um, and that's not easy counsel. But if there are people that are around him, if there are people who are protecting him then, you know, hopefully he doesn't get into that situation. So I think what we can take away from that is while... uh, What we can take away from that is that there are people out there who are being bullied, and for them, uh, it says that, you know, Jesus says the best thing for them to do is to to not resist and to, you know, meet that with, with... turning the other cheek so when we know that that happens when we know that that's those are that's the responsibility that other people have mm-hmm. from a christian standpoint we need to be defenders of, yeah. that, of those people 
Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow. And honestly, I mean, you and I talked about this after the, after the movie, I was in first grade and there were some kids kind of picking on me. I told my dad about it and he said, okay, here's what you do. If they ever get physical, I want you to punch them in the face as hard as you can. <laughs> yeah. Now it never got to that point. Um, but I felt so empowered. Yeah. I didn't feel vengeful. I didn't feel malicious. And I didn't feel, nor did I feel like, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait for that. I didn't feel like, I just, I just felt, yeah, I just felt like, all right, here we go. Like my dad gave me permission to defend myself Mm. and this does not. Yeah. And so it is a, it is a weird dichotomy. I feel like what, you know, was my dad, was he wrong for telling me that? Certainly didn't feel wrong in the moment. It felt like, you know, it's, it's one of my one of my fondest memories of my, of my father when I was a kid. And so I don't know. It's, I would say, yes, the thing to do, certainly the thing to do is obviously if you can, uh, report to the proper authorities and that, and therein lay part of the tragedy of the, of the film and of the situation. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, and that, and that is what really from a Christian standpoint, is the most depressing thing of all of this is, you know, I would, I'd say I, I, I mostly agree with what Josh said, which is knowing if you know that someone is going to not resist, then you have, I think a responsibility to step in and, and help that person and protect that person, you know? Um, but what do you do? if no one is going to step in and protect them, what are you going to do if no one's going to stop it? I mean, it's just, and so I don't know. So maybe more than anything, maybe, maybe Christians more than anybody should be furious at this phenomenon. Um, but, uh, but I did want to end on this note. Uh, second Corinthians four, 16 through 18. Therefore we do not lose heart though. Outwardly we are wasting away yet inwardly. We are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now that last part, what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. Uh, anybody would know that uh, anybody who's online knows about the uh, It Gets Better campaign that was started by uh, columnist uh, Dan Savage. And uh, that was specifically to kids who are uh, gay and are feeling, you know, and are abused or bullied as a function of that. Um, but it can be said to to anybody um, that just uh, like I know it feels, you know, so despairing and so hopeless when you are in a position of the same position as Alex or whatever but you just got to like keep on going, preach the gospel to yourself. You know, don't fight, like don't fight back maliciously. Don't, don't plot revenge Mm -hmm. and just do everything you can to get through it. Because when you do, you will be stronger and you will be probably able to weather a lot of different circumstances in life. Um, and so I don't know. It's, and I, and I recognize that that to some might seem like really depressing advice because it's just like, ah, I know it sucks now, 
but hey, what are you going to do? You know, like it, it, it sounds like that. Um, and uh, and I, I'm sorry. I wish that I could come up with something more instantly affirming. But, you know, we do not lose heart. We'll be strengthened and, and helped and upheld by God. And we are not worthless. We are loved just as much as anybody else. We're not misfits. In a way, we're all misfits. But, so that means none of us are. Um, and so for what it's worth, you know, just take that and hopefully that can get you through some of the tough times. And don't be afraid to ask for help. That's the other thing. Yeah. I say that as though this is as I'm speaking to an assembly of middle schoolers, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure everybody in, that listens to this is in their 20s. But, but nonetheless, like that, I'd say that's another big one is asking for help. You know. Yeah, and I think that's something that the bully comes out and says too. Yeah. It's part of it is that um, Alex needs to ask for help. Yeah. And he's, you know, not to say again that it's his fault. Right. But it's something that's uncomfortable for him, and it's something that if he's able to, if he's able to come around and overcome that, it'll it'll help him in the long run. Yeah. So, all right, I think that's where we will end. Um, don't have any uh, again. Don't have any announcements to reiterate. So. I'll just say uh, you can go to morethanonelesson.com and check out any number of things. There are uh, blogs. There is, uh, I haven't mentioned it in a while, there's Josh's web series, The Unemployed Mind, which you can go and watch, and it's lots of fun. Check it out. Also, there's another re- uh, web series that I just worked on called Research mm-hmm. that uh, stars, co-stars, friend of the show, Doug Jones. That's right. So uh, if you feel like checking that out, it's very funny. The third episode went up uh, this week. Okay. And, uh, yeah, check them out. So, yeah, unemployed mind, research, just just embrace anything that Josh is a part of. Anything. Anything. For the title. Yeah. That's another one. I couldn't think of the name immediately. (laughs) Um, And then I remembered, like, well, think of something. I remember it being very generic and hard to Google. For the title. (laughs) That's the the one. But, uh, but yeah, so seek that that out as well. That is Josh's mockumentary about uh, Ultimate Frisbee. His big passion in life, aside from film, paperweights, and And Gilligan's Gilligan's Island. Island. (laughs) So, all right. Um, And then if you have any questions or comments, you can email us, Tyler at morethanonelesson.com or Josh at morethanonelesson.com. You can follow me on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash morelessons. You can follow Josh at the Josh Long. At the Josh Long. So thanks, everybody. And Josh, thanks for being here. Mm -hmm. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.